What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The Sift Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that is thinking about relocating to a remote, mysterious island just to up our beard game, it's Sifpop. Work for Tom Hanks. That's right. Welcome to Sifpop, streaming live on Spreaker every Saturday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! Woo! I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. He's Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy! And each week we'll chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our mind. What is on our mind, Andrew? Tomb Raider. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about Tomb Raider today, doing best ever Walton Goggin movies. Of course, we got our buried treasure, got a cool Sif quest about interactive entertainment I'm looking forward to. Um... I did want to. I did want to talk us about something right at the beginning, and I'm kind of nervous waiting into this before we even get to the do we care, because there is this. I, you know, I write for CinemaSins, right? I've heard, um, and I'm always nervous about talking publicly about kind of the CinemaSins disses that happen, you know, through other videos, those kind of things. But there was another one yesterday. And this one bothered me in a different way. I get that people don't necessarily understand everybody else's content. Like, there can be misunderstandings about what somebody's purpose is or those kind of... There are people who think that what we do is, you know, uh, that we hate movies and, you know, that kind of thing. Because they think we're saying all movies are awful, which is not what we're saying. We're saying all movies use cheats and we like to point them out. Yeah. Um, But anyways, but then, you know, so I don't mind... I I guess I do mind, but that... I get that. I get that people have differences of opinions, right? Yeah. But then there's this article yesterday, and I'm not even necessarily going to point you to where it was, but it was about good film criticism, and it was pointing out great film critics from you know different places, all those kind of things. And then the video, at the very end, he just popped in one last, just with one last thing, and said, "Oh, by the way, Cinema Sins is terrible. They're the worst. Uh, they actively make you know movie uh, reviewing worse or something like that." Wow. Just as like an aside almost, you know, not even necessarily talking about that. Was it from a reputable... I think so. Okay. And I've liked uh, other stuff that he's done, you know, and I think there's just this, uh, especially among more, and I I don't mean this dismissively, but like, um, because I actually consider myself one of them, high-minded film criticism people, you know, that like to really think and, and I think it's just become accepted that that's an easy throwaway. Oh, these guys are awful. They don't know what they're doing. Even if you never watch or haven't watched in a long time or don't understand it's comedy or, you know, whatever the case may be. And that one struck me as specifically weird in that it's just like, it just feels so mean, you know? It's it's just interesting. And then the article that was references, referencing it also said, oh, yeah, and the other thing we wholeheartedly agree with is that CinemaSins is terrible. And it's like, I just, I, I don't get it. You know, I don't understand... Like the need to denigrate somebody's work, you know, without just as an aside, just as a throwaway mean thing to say, you know. And I guarantee you, if he listened to the Sincast, he go, "Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, I think so. I think if you listen to, you know, the the Cinema Sins guys, and and or if you listen, you know, to this and know that I write for Cinema Sins as well, you know, I think it's it would become 
you know, pretty clear that we love movies and that, you yeah. know, and that we have an understanding of them, but what we're, we're not doing film criticism. That's what bugs me. It's like, you're doing a thing about film criticism. Why are you even talking about us? That's not, that's not who we are. Yeah. We're jokesters. We're, you know, we're, we're trying to make jokes about the little mistakes and continuity errors and nitpicks. Isn't you know? the uh, tagline, no movies without sin? Yeah. So we're, you're not saying there is no good movie. You're saying, Every single movie has a little, either a blooper, a little problem. You're not saying the movie's bad or cheat. Yeah. And in fact, the you could even say every movie has to, some movies have to send to be a good movie. Like it's it is a purposeful storytelling trick. But we're just pointing out those storytelling tricks. You know, we exactly. we point out Deus Ex Machinas or narration or those kind of things. Sometimes those things are needed in movies. You know, to get from point A to point B. That's what it means to say, you know, no movie is without sin is yeah. you have to cheat every once in a while because you're telling a big story in two hours. Yeah. So it's not a it's not a critiquing channel. It's a comedy channel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I want I, I really would not have mentioned it. And I know technically it, I should say, I guess I'm not speaking for CinemaSins. I'm speaking for Aaron Dicer. I think that's important for me to say. Oh, yeah. Um, this This doesn't come, you know, from any kind of organized but I, I weighed into it, even though, you know, um, in general, the response is just to let, you know, haters be haters and just do good work. And I think that's a good response. Yeah. But this felt unnecessarily mean, and I wanted to point it out. And I, you know, I just think we should all think about whether it's that or something else in our life that we just assume is bad because others have said it's bad to think about, you know, what we say and how we, you know, approach you know, different things like that. So, so let's talk about how there are no good video game movies. <laughs> no, no. I'm well, but no, you're totally, you're totally right. You are totally right. I, and I understand what you're saying too, like how like un. It's ignorant, is what it is. It is it is ignorance. I do believe it's ignorance and misunderstanding. And and I also know I, I was really, trying to find a nice way to say it. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I really believe it is ignorance and misunderstanding. And honestly, I would love to have an open dialogue with you know, the person that wrote this article and, you know, just say privately or publicly, I've, although I think I'd have to get permission to do it publicly, like on a podcast or something like that. Because yeah. again, I don't want, you know, I'm not carrying the banner, you know, so to speak, uh, as an official CinemaSins representative. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I enjoy those kind of conversations and just saying, hey, what is it exactly that, you know, you think is not only something you don't think is funny, but actually something you think is destroying movies, you know, destroying what you love. How how do you come to that conclusion? What is the mis- miscommunication here or the misunderstanding here, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyways, I you know, I don't know that that'll ever happen. And I don't know that it has to. You know, we can all kind of just go on living our lives. It's, you know, I've got thick skin and an elastic heart. So, uh, you know, I, I know what's going on. Uh, I can take it. So, so yeah. But I, d- I did kind of want to, you know, lean in there because I think there's something to learn. I think there's something for all of us to learn about how we interact with stuff that other people create. And I hope you hear when we do Sif Pop or when I do my movie reviews or those kind of things, if we have negative things to say, it always hurts us to say them. Like, we don't want things to, you know, come across as bad. We don't want a movie to be bad. We don't want a director to be awful or whatever. Um, and so when we say those things, it come. we hope it comes across as here's how we felt about this thing that happened as a way to review it for you, but not as a way to say this person is always awful or these things are always bad. So So for you, is it more the, for the writer of that article, the dismissiveness of it so that whenever somebody reads it, they automatically just go, 
I don't know who Cinema Sins is, but apparently they're awful. Yeah, so. yeah. It's just the complete dismissive uh, dismissiveness of it without any kind of explanation, any kind of in an article that has nothing to do with that thing. Yeah. All of that together just kind of clicked me in a, a new, a different way than the usual kind of it's stuff. It's kind of like us talking about Tomb Raider Day, and then all of a sudden I just go, I hate olives. You're like, what? <laughs> yes. Or specific way, olive maker. Yeah, yeah or something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. By the way, all olives are terrible. <laughs> Seriously, right. all olives are terrible. <laughs> I would actually, you know, agree with you on that. I'm not a big olive fan. Yeah. So, is that okay? Is it okay if I get that kind of off? Because I feel, I you feel like lighter. Was, I do feel a little bit lighter. <laughs> I, I actually literally. Uh, almost did a, a tweet. Um, uh, what was it called? A thread. I almost did oh, a, a tweet yeah. thread last night, and I thought, no, I don't think this is the way to handle it because there's not enough nuance and space there for me to really communicate what I want to communicate. And honestly, behind a microphone is my favorite and I think best way to communicate. This is therapeutic. So, yeah. So I've got you know I've got a pop culture show and I get to say stuff. So I thought I'd say it. Nice. Ready to head on to Do We Care? Every single week I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick some topics for us to discuss, and we must decide collectively if we care about them or not. Number one, Henry Selleck, director of Nightmare Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach, has announced his next project will be a stop-motion film, of course, made directly for Netflix about two demons voiced by Key and Peele. Oh, Yeah. What do you think? Um, it's great. I'm glad Keen Peel are doing something together. I yeah. think that's that's awesome. Um, stop motion demon voicing sounds like perfect yeah. for them to be able to do, uh, especially as busy as Jordan probably is right now, figuring out his next step as a director. What, what do you think about him going back to a comedic movie, not only that, but with his old-time friend, uh, Ke- or, uh, Jordan Keegan-Michael Key, to uh, do this right after a movie like Get Out? I think it's the perfect vehicle. Okay. And that's that's what I was saying. Like if if it had been in, um, what was the movie they did together recently? Uh, where uh, they Keanu. Were, yeah, Keanu. Like if it had been Keanu two, maybe the discussion's a little bit different, right? Like yeah. the discussion is, I don't know if he should wade back into this when he's got this different kind of level of thing he's doing now, mm-hmm. career wise. Um, obviously not my decision, not my call, and he can do whatever he wants. And but. This, I think, is the perfect way to do this because he's not on screen. He's just offering his voice. doesn't necessarily have to take up a ton of his time. Um, so, no, I think this is a perfect vehicle Nice for him to continue to, to you know do those kind of things. I totally agree because, uh, as you get, know, I'm not like the biggest champion of stop-motion movies. I enjoy them, but I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, stop-motion is my thing, you know. But uh, I'm excited for this. I think it has the potential to be really good. Mm-hmm. Number two. Spike Lee might direct a Marvel movie. The only problem is, it's for Sony. <laughs> Based on the comics Nightwatch, it's about a man named Kevin Trench. Trench witnesses the death of a superhero, but whenever he unmasks the slain defender, he discovers that it's an older version of himself. I love that concept. Yeah. That's such a fun you know, tagline concept. Kind what do you of thing. think about Spike Lee doing it? Uh, Spike Lee's got chops, man. He can direct stuff. I've seen like Inside, Inside Man is one of my favorite movies. Inside um, Man is probably my favorite Spike Lee movie. So I, I'm always interested to see what he does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's funny that you said. Unfortunately, it's for Sony. <laughs> Sony doesn't have the best track record whenever it comes. How do they own the rights to this character? It's a Spider-Man. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. It's in the Spider-Man universe. Yeah. Now Disney's gonna have to buy Sony. 
<laughs> you know, they're they're eyeing it right now. <laughs> right. Would, would that mean that Disney would own PlayStation? <laughs> yes, I think it would. Did you know that PlayStation, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, PlayStation is the only profitable section of Sony. Oh, is it? It is the only profitable section. Their TVs aren't profitable for them? Nope, TVs aren't profitable. Mm. Movies aren't profitable. Uh, their electronics aren't profitable. Movies should be profitable. You, if you're running a movie studio and you're not profitable... They're not. That's just... Whew. That's, That's rough. Thing. Yeah, it's Paramount's in that position too. I don't think they've they've had much profit recently either. Hear that, Disney? That's two more things you can gobble up. <laughs> That's right. Disney's just Pac Man <laughs> running around Hollywood gobbling up pellets. No, it's they're more like Snake, you know, because they add them onto That's at right. the end That's of right. it. Yeah, eventually it's just one big screen of this, you know, snake zigzagging around Until itself. Until it bites its own tail. Yes, and then it's a what is that called? An a, an auroras or a roar. I almost said Aurora Borealis, but, but that's that a, that's, is the light show in the that's north. The light show, the Northern Lights. I've seen that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I went up to Alaska once. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for Do We Care. Not much going on, huh? Not much going on, <laughs> but the two things that I did mention, I thought were pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. Uh, I, I don't think you wanted to talk about the fact that um, uh, what's his name? The uh, see, it's. The craziest overactor of all time, not Jim Carrey. <laughs> I don't think Jim Carrey's the craziest overactor of all time. Um, he's done like a Wicker Man and uh, you're talking about Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Nick Cage is finally going to be Superman in an animated movie. Oh, is he? Yeah. Did you you knew it, like they were thinking like in the early 2000s he was going to be Superman? Yeah. No. 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 I totally yeah. knew that. So he's Isn't finally there a documentary about that now. I think there is. Yeah. I've been wanting to see it, but yeah, he's going to voice Superman in the Teen Titans animated movie. Fun. Yeah. I'm sure he's pumped about that. That's not. Uh, do we care worthy though? <laughs> well, we could just say no. We don't care and just kind of yeah, move we don't on. Care. That's kind of the there whole. There we go. The There's our three for the week. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Tomb Raider. What are you doing here, Laura? Seven years I've been on this island. Your father, he put me here. Now I see the likeness, intelligence, the recklessness. What do you know about my father? Lara Croft is the fiercely independent daughter of an eccentric adventurer who vanished years earlier. Hoping to solve the mystery of her father's disappearance, Croft embarks on a perilous journey to his last known destination. Let's talk about Tomb Raider. This, of course, is another attempt at adapting the video game Tomb Raider, uh, which continues to go on. My brother was talking about uh, really enjoying the, the last two Tomb Raiders. The Angelina Jolie ones? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. The, the video games. Oh, oh man, they are so good. Yeah, he was saying they were really good. They are. Vi- they've. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be talking about that in my. Okay, cool, actual, cool, cool. So I'll, so, I'll save that. So they now are, you know, making a new uh, video game movie based on this with uh, Alicia Vikander in the title role instead of Angelina Jolie. Very different from the original. So let's start it off. Did you like it? Love it? Dislike it? Hate it? Or it was just okay? We had a pre-show where we discussed how there has never been a good video game movie. Mm-hmm. Is there finally a good video game movie? Yes, I like this movie. Liked it, huh? And I think it's actually a good movie. Yeah, would you say like on the high end of liked it? Yeah, but there are like a couple things that I have I'll 
sure, pretty big sure, problem sure. with. We are in the exact same boat. I really okay. liked. I really liked this movie. Good. Um, oh yay! No, no, no. I had such a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, with this film, it is one of those things again where I worry about talking about how much I like it, and then people going and expecting too much. Yeah. Um, but no, if you just go in expecting a fun action movie, I think you're really going to enjoy yourself. There's a lot to like about this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with some of that stuff. Um, what did you enjoy about it? And it's all about Alicia Vikander. She's, and so, she's good. so good. Oh my goodness. So good. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. And this is what I'm going to be talking about with, uh, you know, how the new video games are kind of embodying everything. So she is everything that we needed in this character. Because aside from the fact that she is stunningly beautiful, she embodies what this new style of the character has become. Because in the beginning, whenever you look at like the, even the Angelina Jolie in the original video games, she was just a sex symbol who just happened to find treasure. But now in these new games, she's a young woman who fell into this world. Mm-hmm. And she gets hurt, she gets dirty, and she is so intelligent. And she uses her intelligence to get out of these situations. It's not about, you know, rock'em, sock'em, gunfights, you know. Mm-hmm. She is very smart. And I think Alicia Vikander is so good with that. She understands these this new style of the video games. And I think that the video or the movie itself just embodies that. I think it does a really good job. I think she is so good at helping us understand the connection that she has to her father. Um, and the emotion that she's showing us. Um, there is one, I, I'm going to throw out a negative here just because it goes into her performance. Well, I mm-hmm. think so. And it's really my only major negative of the movie. Um, these movies always, and I don't know if the video games are the same way, and it, and it always bugs me, they're always, they're always Lara Croft's fault. I mean, it's like she, in the, both the Angelina Jolie movies and in this movie, if she just makes a different, easy, smart decision at the beginning, none of it happens. Yeah. None of it happens. The bad guys don't find the bad thing and they don't have to save it. Like, she always leads the bad guys to the bad thing. Always. I think that and happens I, in every treasure hunting movie. If you look at Indiana Jones, he always leads them to it. No, no, that's not true. I don't, don't think th- that's true. Well, he doesn't. He, he doesn't do it on his own accord. Like he may be forced to to help them through it, like because they have his dad captured or whatever. He has to help them, you know, do the trials or whatever. But yeah. It's not like they follow him to the place, you know, kind of thing. Here's what I want to say about it. Okay, and, and I don't want to go into too much of that because uh, spoilers. But maybe I will more when we talk spoilers. Yeah. This is what I want to say about the performance. I buy it in this movie more than the other two movies by far. Oh, yeah. Because of her performance and her emotional connection to her dad, I totally get her making the decisions she makes, even though on the surface they're kind of the same silly decisions if you really think about them. Does that make sense? It's kind of a, you know the meme, you had one job. Right. That's what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what you're trying to say. It is exactly what I'm okay, trying to say. Okay, yeah. Uh, what, what about a pro for you, though? Besides Alicia Vikander. Besides Alicia great. Vikander, yeah. uh, I think the action is wonderful in this movie. That's um, what I love. It is straight up MMA. Like, that's what I love. Like, it's not like cool uh, uh, wire work or anything. Like, it's real. It's real. It feels so real that combat does. Yes, um, and I and I want to talk about the combat even deeper in a second for another one of my pros, but okay. I'm more talking about how much action is in this movie. Oh, okay. It, is, it has been a while since I've really had a movie that was, you know, plotted in this way that gave me this many, like, survival action fun moments. And there's just moment after moment after moment in this movie where it's like, 
you know, she is doing these incredible things. And I, you know what it is? I think it is also in her performance in that you're right. She's falling into it and she's discovering her strength. She's discovering yeah. her ability. She's discovering her survival instinct. Um, that stuff with the waterfall and the airplane is so good. Yeah. And that's as much as I'm going to say about it because I don't want to give anything away, you know, until spoilers, but it's just such a great scene. That leads into my other really big pro about this movie. And that's this movie tried to do something that I don't think I have ever seen done as well in any other movie. It can be difficult to please both sides of a movie going audience. You have the people who just want to see a good movie and then those of you who just want to see an homage to a video game. And I think there's a little bit of both in this movie, you know. Now, to some people, I can see that being a con. Like, some people just like, pick a lane. Which one do you want to do? But I think in this one, like, how they just decide this is what the movie want to be. But there are elements of, like, quick time events from a video game, like with the the scene you're referencing. Mm-hmm. But then there's also parts of real human elements and emotion and like everything is just done so well. Yeah. I think that, you know, that leads perfectly into pleasing both sides. I and, think the, uh, the video game aspect of this is integrated perfectly. Yeah. Um, I think what I love about it is the, the puzzle solving aspect of the, you know, kind of that video gaming feel is here and it actually, makes sense like it's actually it's not it doesn't feel like it, it's um under explained yeah. or you know things like that i'm thinking of one scene in particular uh, that involves colors uh that yeah. is really interesting and I, I thought you know feels like a like a puzzle solving thing you would have from a video game oh absolutely. and at the same time it's it's engaging in action enough that you you know are enjoying the experience Mm-hmm. Um, the there's you know riddles and clues and all that kind of stuff that I love from these kind of treasure hunting movies. And, yeah, because you try and find figure it out along with them, and you yeah. feel like you're part of the movie. Yeah, exactly. So I think it does that that very well too. Yeah. Do you have any more pros? Yeah, I do. the The other one I was going to talk about with the combat, the MMA, uh, the arrow shooting, um, and there was one other element of her skill set. Uh, that's just slipping my mind at this point. But what I was going to say is her skill sets are so authentically developed in this movie. Like it feels like she is a real authentic human being, not some sort of superhero. Yeah, has you know that has been. Oh, she gets hurt training in an MMA, yeah. you know, and training at you know archery and those kind of things. And when she uses archery in this movie, it never feels too much like Legolas. You know, oh, she where misses. she's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. That's a great point. Exactly, yeah. she misses sometimes. Um, so, uh, so I, I really felt like, spoiler alert, she's not Legolas. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I really felt like this movie did such a great job at making a believable heroine in that way. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. Cons? Sure. Go for it. I kind of mentioned my main one, just kind of the plot convenience sometimes of having her lead the bad guys to the bad place. Well, uh, we talked about, you know, her character development and stuff like that. So that can actually lead into one of my cons. And I thought that there was too much character development in the beginning um, because there's one scene in particular. I'll just say it deals with paint mm-hmm. that is beyond pointless it serves no other purpose i disagree this- with that but really okay no, yeah i really enjoyed that scene now we talked about her you know mma thing i think that that's perfect that scene is great mm-hmm. the scene with the paint i think kind of falls to the wayside of just filler i think if you cut that scene out and then you shorten it into something else it would serve the movie way better. I think what it allows us to do, and the reason I, I see value in that scene, and it, it didn't distract me, it allows us to see the joy 
in her like the competitive nature that she has the joy and the puzzle solving ability uh that she has okay and it also <clears throat> it also serves a secondary purpose of connecting us deeper to the connection she has uh with her father um and i don't know that i can talk further on that without spoiling sure, things yeah. uh other than to say i there is they definitely multi-purpose that scene well um cutting it out could work it could but I, I do see some purpose in it. Okay. I didn't... The way I was looking at it is it's a filler action scene. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there are probably better action scenes further on in the movie. So at the time, I was and thinking did you not that, enjoy it? See, I enjoyed no, it I as thought, well. Okay, that's the thing. I thought it was fun. Okay, okay. I thought it was purposeless is <laughs> yeah. what it was. So if you cut it out, you're cutting out a fun scene, but to the betterment of the movie. Yeah. That's what yeah, I, I think I would disagree with that, but the, yeah, okay. but I see what you're saying. Yeah, another con of mine's was actually Walton Goggins' character. Uh, I'm not saying that his performance was bad. It's just that I think it was slop. It was a sloppily written character. His motives are made clear when we first meet him, but then his actions throughout the movie just seem random, bordering on purposeless. Mm. Is that part of his character, though? See, that's the thing. Like, he makes his motives clear, but then he negates those motives with I agree. knowledge that's presented to him. Like, right. And I'm like, okay, well, if you know this, then why are you doing yes. that? And no, stuff I like, agree. So, now don't get me wrong. He's a good actor. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I was going to say, that that's a script problem. That's a script problem. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. No, that's definitely a, a um, something if you start to think deeper about it falls apart. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways. And, and that goes into my con as well, my major con, which is the movie still does deal with falling apart in certain ways story-wise. Like, you know, it it really rests on plot convenience and unexplained character movements, like especially with, Walt, you know, Walton Goggins' character. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, I think there is a little bit of that. I, I, wouldn't, even, I wouldn't say it necessarily goes to an eye-rolling place. Like, it's not like I'm sitting no, there rolling no, my no, no, eyes. No. But it definitely goes to a place where y- you can be aware of it, and it might, you know, you might go, eh. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. Overall, what, I mean, what would you say? Recommend? Oh, I really recommend. My yeah, one last so. thing is I hope they make sequels because I can't wait. That's my one last thing. Really? I yeah. hope they make because I can't wait to get back into it. Yeah. It's fun. I think that's the, so fun. I think that is the, the greatest uh, compliment you can pay to a movie like this. Yeah. Please make like, more. Make another one. Yeah, I really want you to make another one. Um, I think Alicia Vikander is so is really good in the role. Yeah. Um, I in a, if you handle it with the same amount of you know care in the character development part of what's going on here, um, I think it could be really interesting to see her continue to you know grow and develop who she is uh, for the movie. Um, There's one more shout out I want to give to in the acting front, and that's for uh, Daniel Wu. Yeah, did you enjoy I, his performance? I thought he was really good. It was a little bit wallpaper for me. I was really? hoping, yeah, I was hoping for a little more from that character, but it it definitely served its purpose. I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I no, really no, I liked agree. him. Yeah. So yeah, man, I I want to see the movie again. I don't only want to see sequels, but I want to see the movie again. And the thing, okay, here's another thing. I'm going back for more pros. The movie does a good job of making you nervous in some scenes, and then laugh really hard in other scenes like all the Nick Frost stuff is hilarious. Yeah. He is so funny. And yeah. I, and I love his character in this too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I I will say maybe this will be my one last thing since you already talked about wanting more. Um I watched the trailer uh for uh Tomb Raider 
after oh, yeah. I watch the movie, which I do sometimes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times it has to do with because I'm putting my review together, and yeah. so I'm using clips and stuff. And I, once again, I'll just say it once again, blew my mind. The One of the clips in the trailer is literally the last scene of the movie. The last joke of the movie is in the trailer. Yeah. I can't imagine having that spoiled for. Like, I loved that moment at the end of this movie, and it sent me out on this high, and like, to know that was in the trailer, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand why trailers are deliberately ruining the experience in that way, other than they think they have to to make money. They think they have to, to get people in there. I don't remember seeing that scene in I'll the trailer. I'll tell you spoilers. No, I, I know the scene you're talking oh, about. Okay, I'm just yeah. saying I don't remember seeing it in the trailer. Well, it's there. I watched okay. it last night. <laughs> I only saw a couple trailers for Tomb Raider. Also, you put that scene in the trailer that I'm talking about. Yeah. It's misleading for the movie. It is. Yeah. And that's and that's another th- like and so I just again I I am on record obviously as being anti trailer culture, but it is it is one of those things I just I can't in some in some are worse than others and this was one of the worst okay. in my opinion. But so. overall, man, it's a good movie. But yes, the movie good. is good. The movie, good movie I think it really is good. So there you go. Yeah, ready to move on to the best ever challenge. Let's make it happen, Spe- Kevin. Speaking of Walton Goggins, yeah. Best ever Walton Goggins movies. You know, the thing is, I thought of him more as a uh, a TV actor. You know, if you look at, like, Justified and uh, The Shield, you know, that's what I really always lean towards yeah, that's, what, that's what somebody tweeted us, was uh, really? that his best ever movie was the Shield series. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I like Justified more than The Shield, but that's just me. Yeah, I haven't I watched I Justified. I've watched a little bit of The Shield, mm. um, but not all of it. I really like Justified a lot. Yeah? Yeah. Um... But yeah, so you want to kick us off at number three? Sure, we'll go number three to number one. We'll uh, have some honorable mentions uh, at the end as well. Okay. Uh, my number three is The Apostle. Okay. With uh, Robert Duvall. Have not seen it. Oh, okay, you should check it out. Okay. I mean, it's very, it's an interesting film um, because there's a lot of speaking to you elements of how faith works in your life. You know, how what you believe about the world around us, about the supernatural, those kind of things, um, you know, Christianity, all that kind of stuff works in his life and it was one of the most authentic and real depictions in my opinion on the uh perilous and um difficult nature of faith you know uh for some reason quote-unquote faith-based films a lot of times try to make everything look like it's easy so you know? it's a straight up uh, or not straight up but it is a faith-based film i don't i don't i mean it, i don't think it was made by necessarily like a "Quote unquote Christian movie company or something like that, yeah. but I, I would call it a faith based film. It's definitely about faith, you know. Okay, that, so, I was going, I was going more along the lines of something like a War Room or something right, like God's it's, Not Dead or something like that. It's kind of, it's not one of those. No. I, I, I hate it, saying, it I hate seeing one of those movies. No, you know what it. I'm saying? I get it. Okay, it predates those. Okay, um, by quite a bit actually. I think. Okay. Um, great performance by Duvall. Uh, he may have been nominated for that performance. I know he definitely had awards buzz that year for that performance. Okay. The Apostle. The Apostle. Okay. Yeah. So definitely one to check out and uh, a real, an authentic look at faith and you know in the world. So All right. My number three is the Born Identity. Yeah. I'm. I mean, I can trump here. We can just go ahead and talk about it because it's my number two. Okay. So. Go for it. Um. Yeah. No. You go ahead. I've been talking. Oh, okay. So. Oh uh, well. Uh, again, this is just. It's another instance of just because they're not the lead in the movie doesn't mean that it doesn't get ranked as a movie they were in. And I think his. He's uh, credited as research assistant. <laughs> yes, I believe that's I his think, credit. I think he was research assistant. So we're just going to talk about Matt Damon because it, it was a different kind of spy movie. Yeah, it was. It mixed James Bond with Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. 
Yeah, and with with hand to hand combat and yeah. shaky cam and was this the dawning of the shaky cam? Well, I think it was. I uh, who did the first? I don't know that Greengrass did the first one, but um, he he did definitely ultimatum. Yeah, but yes, but yes, I think this was one of the birthplaces of shaky cam fight scenes, that kind of stuff. So apologies. Yeah, we loved it then. We were like, oh, this is new and interesting and cool, and yeah, and environmental fighting. You know, Bourne was always looking for what was around him. Yeah, you know, to kind of work. And what's interesting about uh, Bourne, by the way, JB James Bond, Jason Bourne. It's very intentional that this is a Bond kind of character. Yeah, is it took Bond and it said, you know what, that debonair, suave, never make a mistake, hit real. on all the ladies. We're done with that. Here's a gritty, authentic, down-to-earth James Bond. We're going to call him Jason Bourne, and we're going to do it. And you know what? It actually changed James Bond. You know, like yeah, we got Daniel Craig after that. Exactly. It was yeah. like Bond was like, oh yeah, let's go ahead and adapt. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you, if you want to thank you know Jason Bourne movies for Jason Bourne movies, that's great. But you can also thank them for the Daniel Craig, Jason, you know, James Bond movies too. Yep. In many ways. Uh, so my number two, I guess. Yeah, go ahead with your number two, Django Unchained. Go ahead, talk about it. Or you're going to trump me? Is it No. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, you don't like Django Unchained? I'm not a huge fan, no. Oh, wow. But I'm not a huge Quentin fan, so... Uh, I, f- I keep forgetting that. Yeah. I f- keep forgetting you don't like good movies. But, um... <laughs> so, anyway, man, I love Django Unchained, man. I think the movie is funny. Um, Christoph Waltz in this movie is, like... He's like, you remember how good I was in Inglorious Bastards? Well, I'm gonna kick it up a notch. Well, no, I take that back because I think he was still better in Inglorious Bastards. But I know, think I'm so gonna, too. I'm gonna bring the same level, but I'm gonna make that character funnier. Yeah, and he does. And uh, all the performances in this movie are good. I mean, of course, you have Leonardo DiCaprio just eating scenery like he's this. so good. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, I I get it. Believe me, and I think part of what I don't like about Tarantino and even some Scorsese, I think it kind of falls into the same compartment, is the way they're making me feel about violence is uncomfortable for me. The way that they are, like, I am feeling joyful, I'm feeling, you know, feelings of excitement and adrenaline, and, like, which means he's doing his job well, right? Like, he, yeah. is, he is painting a good picture, but because uh, because of how he's making me feel adrenaline, how he's making me feel joy, like how he's making me feel these things, um, it bothers me. It speaks to something in our humanity, I think. And at the end of the day, I come away from it going, I don't like reveling in violence. I don't like reveling in that kind of darkness. So For me, whenever I watch a Tarantino movie... And he does something like that where yeah. it's just over the top violence. I think of it more from a comedic standpoint and to the point sure. of there is no realism in this whatsoever to where I can say this would never happen. Sure. Ergo, I can, I can just watch the movie and enjoy it. I can get that. So, no, I, I, to- I, I totally understand that. And again, I also know I'm in the minority. Yeah. So especially among film lovers. Um, so, yeah, no, but I, I totally get your perspective. I think I just come away from it feeling a little icky. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that kind of weighs on me as far as saying so I don't enjoy it. So I never watch them again. It's not like I want to put it in again because I feel that way afterwards. OK. Does that make sense? It, oh, it totally makes sense. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Okay, yeah. Cool. So uh, you're number two. My number one. Oh. My number two was the Born Identity. Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah. Your number one. My number one is Lincoln. Me too. Yeah. I think that's the right way to go. <laughs> Have you watched it again? Yeah. I watched it. I've seen it like 
four or five times. It's so good. It's a long movie, but man, it's good the whole way through. I, I just, I always, it's so funny because I, I think I've only watched it three times, but both the times I've revisited it, uh, I, I, I get into watching them like, oh yeah, this movie is so intelligent about how it handles politics and, you know, just understanding that Lincoln was a politician, you know, he was and, a lawyer. Yeah. And the way, you know, he, he's willing to deal and I just, it's just so smart about that stuff. And of course, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis is Daniel Day-Lewis and yeah. You know what it is? I thought about it the other day. Believe it or not, I did think about it. Well, I thought about it the other day because I was making this list. It is 1800s West Wing. That's what yeah. this movie is. Yeah, no, you're right. It yeah, is yeah. a three-hour episode of the West. It's a period piece West Wing. <laughs> and you know what? There, are, he's. A, Should we call it the North Wing? The North Wing, yeah. <laughs> there are other elements of this movie besides Daniel Day-Lewis that I love. You know, he, he gives that performance, you know. But there are other people... Even Walton Goggins is really good, but I think the other person that you think of in this movie besides DDL is James Spader. That guy is so funny in this movie. Yeah. And um, Tom, uh, help me out here. Uh, I'll have to look it up. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, the other great actor in this. He was also nominated for, oh man, how can I forget his name? I feel like an Dude, idiot. No, that's, that's called being human. Um, you know, if you do a Google search for Lincoln, the movie isn't the first thing that comes up. It's the president. I'm thinking of Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy yeah. Lee Jones was yeah, of really good in this. Uh, man, just performances all around. And even uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as his son. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that they played off well each other very well. It's yeah. just a good movie. Sally Field is great in it, too. Um, it is a movie where I watch... Uh, and I go, oh, maybe Darkest Hour isn't as good as I thought it was. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you start to compare because I really love Darkest Hour, and it's the same kind of, you know, biopic, you know, about a character at a very crucial point in their country's history. And that's what I loved about this movie. It's not the Lincoln story, right? It's the emancipation story, right? Yeah. And I loved that. What well, doesn't it, it starts off with him talking to a couple of you know uh, black soldiers in the Union Army. Yeah, he's and, giving the speech, isn't he? Yeah. On the stump, was it? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Something like I can't that, remember. yeah. So actually it may have started with him talking to a couple white soldiers and then a couple black soldiers. I'm trying it's been a you know It's like, been a hot minute. Yeah. yeah. But I just I love that interaction, you know, that he has and it, it feels so very in context uh to what was going on there. So. Well Spielberg can do that, you know. Yeah. He has that he has the power. You know, I'm beginning to think he's a good director. Really? Yeah. Good I'm beginning call. I'm beginning to think Spielberg might be one to watch. <laughs> he's an up and cover. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to check him out. Put him with the Chazelles and the Villeneuve's and yeah. might have to see what he's he's got a bright future, that Spielberg. I guess he's got some chops. He's a go getter. What about some honorable mentions? Um I have a few of them. Uh obviously a Tomb Raider would be one we would recommend. But sure. yeah. um a movie that I was really hoping would be a lot better than it turned out to be, but still I find enjoyable to a point is the hateful eight. Okay. I was disappointed by it. I really I can say I was. Uh-huh. Um Predators. Believe it or not, I've had a lot of fun with that movie. It's not oh, yeah? a good, it's not a good movie, but I had fun with it. I can my honorable mention is filled with, you know, movies that aren't necessarily good movies that I had fun with too. 
But there's one more movie I think is actually a good movie, and it's called The World's Fastest Indian. That was the one I was going to say is actually really? a good movie. It's too. a good movie. It's really good. I love that. Anthony movie. Hopkins, and now you would think immediately it's about indigenous people or Native American. No, no it's about it's about salt flat it's, racing. It's about a motorcycle. Yep, salt flat racing. Uh, it's cool. I think he's still the gentleman that it's based off of. I still think he holds the land speed record. Really? I think he does. I wouldn't know. Not but. for that. Not for that uh, particular bike that he built but um you know because he kept building after that you yeah. know and i think the uh, like his like one of his models still holds the uh, land speed record that's cool. i could be wrong world's fastest indian was one of the very first movies i ever professionally reviewed online really mm-hmm. wow um what when did that come out do you have that in 99 maybe even or later than that like early 2000s uh, yeah i think it was later than that um world's fastest 2005 i was way off yeah yeah yeah. that's it that's that's exactly right yeah that's when i started professionally reviewing was in in the mid two or you know early 2000s so so yeah that was one of the first first reviews i put up oh that was a roger donaldson movie okay so it's it's great it's a really good movie cool yeah so did you have any others besides i did okay and they're in that category of fun for me but not great movies yeah yeah shanghai noon yeah, I, I thought about putting Shanghai Noon on there. I probably should have. Forever Young. Don't know that one. Do I? Forever Young? I want to be Forever Young. <laughs> uh, Forever Young. Isn't that uh, Harrison Ford? And um, Am I thinking of the wrong movie? I'm or Mel Gibson? Forever Young. My research said it that, is Walt- Mel Gibson. Mel- that Walton Goggins was in Forever Young. He could. It's just one of those classic, you know, romances, time travel. Oh, no, he you know, is. Kind of thing. Okay. He's gate MP. <laughs> it's funny. Whenever you're the gate military policeman. During a cryogenics test, a pilot is frozen in 1939 and he wakes in 1992, but time is running out as his body starts to age rapidly. Huh. I'm not sure that this is a, uh, this is a, a good movie, but it could have been. Um, there, there are definitely bright spots in it, but American Ultra. Uh, is another one. So, did you see it? Yeah, I hated it. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. But I actually, I actually found some interesting things in there. If they had changed just a few things in that movie, I think it'd have been really good. The idea is cool of a stoner sleeper cell agent, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, exactly. But it could have been really funny and done really well. But I just it missed the mark for me, you know. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Again, I wouldn't even put it as a great movie. I just <laughs> thought it was one to throw in there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Before we head on to our Sift Quest and our Buried Treasure for the week, uh, just a shout out to our podcast network. Studio DNA uh, it puts on Sift Pop as well as other podcasts uh, that are a part of it. You can check it out at studiodnamedia.com. I'd encourage you to support. There's some really fun perks to supporting the podcast network at patreon.com slash studiodna, including bonus episodes for all the podcasts that you love from the network. Including this one, uh, we had a good conversation uh, about other video game movies uh, that then went into Dwayne The Rock Johnson's career. (laughs) It's funny how that happens. (laughs) So we had a great conversation. I'd love for you to hear that. Uh, One of our most popular uh, episodes there is the one where we ranked the Marvel movies. Uh, That's still available there if you want to uh, support. It's three bucks a month and you get your own podcast feed that has the bonus content automatically in it. It'll just come to your podcast player like you're already used to. So if you want to check it out, it's patreon.com slash studio DNA support starts at three bucks a month. And uh, thank you for supporting the podcast network and for supporting this podcast by doing it. 
All right, let's do a let's do a Sif quest. This one comes from Chris on Twitter. This is where you send us on a quest to find an answer. It can be a you know a random question that you have. We could settle a debate for you. Whatever you want, just send it to us on Twitter at Aaron Dicer. Uh, you can do it that way, and my DMs are open, so you can you know if you need more space, you can do it there as well. Although with threading now on Twitter, you can pretty much you know do whatever you want on Twitter yeah. anyway. <laughs> Uh, this is from Chris. He says, this is actually related to a thesis I'm working on at the moment, but I'll spare you the dense theories and cut right to the point. What do you think about the concept of interactive television? For some time now, video games have been adopting elements of the television format, but more recently, television has begun to integrate video game elements into their viewing experience. Recent examples such as Soderbergh's new HBO miniseries Mosaic, which I haven't seen, in Netflix's recent, me- that was me saying I haven't seen it. By I the way, that was okay. In uh, Netflix's recent interactive children programming, have allowed viewers a basic level of control regarding what scenes they watch. And I was wondering whether you consider this a fad or a potentially exciting new form of interactive media. I've been diving into the media and narrative theories behind it for some time now, but would love to hear your thoughts. Andrew, what are some of your thoughts? So originally, because I think we kind of had a conversation kind of loosely based around this question uh, a long time ago, where I said that I was a fan when I was growing up of choose-your-own-adventure books, you know, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I thought At the time, I thought, man, that would be really cool if that element was adapted for movies or television. Thinking about it now, I'm going to amend my decision, and I think that it's not only a fad that will die off quickly— I realized that I probably wouldn't be a fan because I go to movies or watch television to have a story told to exactly. me. Exactly, to experience a story that you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So for that reason, if I want to have a story that I create, I would play a video game. Right. I don't want to, you know, that's, that's, a, that's what am I trying to say? That's, that's work? Kind of, I know, I know, no, no, I know that sounds so lazy and I apologize, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, no, they're completely separate experiences. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, they are separate. Interactive entertainment is a completely separate experience from storytelling. Yeah. Um, There are elements of storytelling, of course, in interactive experiences. There has to be. Yeah. There are also, you know, like is mentioned, more the interactive experiences that lean more towards storytelling. Um, but I think for the most part, you, you have to know what you want. There are moments where I want to guide a story. I want, you know, I want to play a video game. I want to, you know, have an impact on how the events unfold. When you do that, you're taking an investment of almost a competitive investment. That's why they are, you know, video games because you want to have the right outcome. So all of a sudden it becomes a, a thing where, my mindset is different. You know, I'm, I'm experiencing the narrative based on how I want it to go, not on what is the best way for it to go to tell me a story that, you know, is being told or a theme or thematics or those kind of things. So I, you know, I look at it as not necessarily a fad, but I think they will always be completely separate experiences um, that are, you know, it, it may feel a little more like television or movies, but if you're doing something interactive in them, that's its own experience. That is a completely separate experience from seeing a movie or seeing a television show and going along with that, you know, TV show or movie or where the storyteller is trying to take you. So I think of things like, um, you know, the new virtual reality stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, or even AR, you know, they can do that too. True. 
um, I'm thinking specifically like the Star Wars experience that they've got going on in L.A. now where you put on the whole like you've got the computer in your backpack. You've got, you know, the goggles yeah. and all the motion. So you're actually walking around in a 3D environment with objects that are also in, you know, the, the 3D environment on your, you know, your VR goggles. And so you're actually now, picking is, up a physical lightsaber and swinging it and so all that kind of stuff. Is that VR or is that augmented reality? That's VR. VR is when you are looking at a well, screen. Yeah, yeah. Augmented reality is when you're looking at the world as well as digitally thing, you know, things that are things you know, being implemented into the real world. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I didn't know if the Star Wars was augmented or if it no. was VR. No, it's VR. Okay, so it's an it's a headset. You're only seeing you know the video part in your headset. You're not actually seeing any because yeah. I think the room you're in is actually you know probably not even painted. Not you know what I mean. It's just okay. like it just represents what you're seeing in your 3D environment. Okay. That kind of stuff is interesting to me. I think there will always be new and cool ways to experience interactive entertainment, mm-hmm. but it is not the same as you know direct narrative storytelling. And it is one of the reasons. Again, you know, I talk about not watching trailers or trying to be as pure as I can going into a movie. That's my mindset. I want to be told a story. I don't, you know, I exactly it. I want to be surprised. I want, you know, you to, um, you know, be able to show me what you want to show me. And, uh, and so I think it will always exist. I don't necessarily think it's a fad. I just don't think it's the same thing. The moment you add interactivity to it, it's not a movie. <laughs> it's not no, yeah. TV. It is at that very moment, interactive entertainment. Yeah. It may not be quote unquote a game. It doesn't have to be a game, but it kind of is if you're controlling it because there's that competitive element. Even if you're just trying to tell the right story, you're trying to succeed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it becomes a competitive thing. That's exactly right. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I love Choose Your Own Adventure books, too. Yeah. But once I knew all the, the ins and outs of them, they're pretty unsatisfying because it's not like they're great stories. <laughs> you know, you know what, what are I you mean? talking about? All those goosebump <laughs> Choose Your Own Adventures were great. Yeah, sure. Um, who who gave us that question again? Curtis? Uh, Chris. Chris. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Chris, thank you for that. Uh, if you're using us to actually write your thesis paper, make sure, <laughs> make sure you cite your sources. Yes, we would like our doctorate yes. uh, as a result of this. So if I could be uh, Dr. Dicer. Yeah. I'd appreciate that. Mm, Dr. Ormsby. That has a good ring to it. Doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it? Dr. Ormsby. So just let us know. Send us our diplomas whenever they're ready. Yeah. If you need to know how to spell Ormsby, just uh, send me a message. You ready for Buried Treasure? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I saw Sneaky Pete Season 2. I haven't started yet. Have uh, you I, seen Season 1? Yeah, it's so good. Isn't it great? Off your recommendation, I watched Season 1. It's so good. Uh, Giovanni Ribisi is so great. I'm yeah. glad he's found this show. Uh, I've always enjoyed him. His kind of unique sense of delivery and acting, I think, is really fun and interesting. He's perfect for this character. Season 2 is really good. Is it as good as season one? No. That would have been very hard. It is still a lot of fun. Very good. Um, I think the the depth of the con in season one is so intricate and beautiful. I don't know how you top that. Uh, Yeah. I I literally finished it yesterday. Really? Yes. Season one yesterday. Isn't it incredible? It's so good. So it's fresh in my mind. Going into season two, because you know how intricate season one was, I think you're much more aware of what might be cons or side cons or con characters or those kind of things. So you're seeing it with different eyes, at least I was, Mm -hmm. and I think that impacted certain revelations, certain things um, in a little bit of a negative way, uh, maybe a distracting way. 
Um, I'm trying. I'm obviously trying not to give a lot. You know, any spoilers. Sure. Yeah. But overall, the characters are so fun. The dynamic between him and that family is so interesting and fun. Season one ends in a little bit of a cliffhanger. You yeah. Know? And so they have a place to go for season two. It goes there. It's you know, it's it's good. It's good. really good. Not quite as good as season one, but it's really good. For me, whenever I watched uh, season one, I was more invested not in the con element, but just the storyline revolving around the family and mm-hmm. not particularly uh, Pete's, I don't know, quote unquote Pete's yeah. you know, interaction with him, but their actual stories they were dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, like the money and stuff like that. That was really what I kept wanting to come back and learn more about. And that's what the show's so good at is giving you those different connecting points. Yeah. So that the con isn't the whole thing. Oh yeah. That's yeah. totally not at all. And then, you know, season one, you had Brian Cranston just owning it. Yeah. I think he was the the creator of the show, wasn't he? He's an, he's a producer. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how deep he was in the creation process, but he's definitely an executive producer. Yeah. Still. Yeah. So he was good. Yeah, so that's uh, that's my buried treasure. High recommend. My buried treasure is a movie I went and saw yesterday in the theaters. Um, this is not going to be a movie for everybody, but okay. I enjoyed it. It's a movie called Thoroughbreds. Yeah, did you see it? I haven't seen it yet. Okay, um, this is going to be a pretty divisive movie on the fact that it is very dry. It I, I can't tell you what it's about, obviously, because I don't want to spoil it for sure. you. But I will say that the performances for as subtle as they are, are very good. Here's what I've picked up just in the atmosphere. Sure. Uh, haven't seen the trailer, obviously. I think yeah. I saw a poster. There's okay. two girls on a poster, maybe sitting on a couch is what I'm remembering. What I've picked up in the atmosphere just through, you know, glancing at articles, those kind of things, like not on this movie, just, I mean, just in general, that maybe it's kind of like a millennials as murderers kind of movie kind of thing like there is an element of that to it yeah there's always somebody saying something about killing or that kind of thing so anyway that's all i've picked up in the ether is it's kind of like a a millennial murder movie yeah but there's more to it than that yeah um i think well of course i would hope so yeah sure yeah (laughs) um this is going to be also a divisive movie because of the resolution um i don't know for sure but i believe this is anton yelchin's last movie oh yeah and he's really good. Of course in it. he is. He's really good. That's such a loss. Yeah. But the performances in this, because the two main characters, they are so different from each other, but they play off of each other so well. Mm. I had a lot of fun with this. I can see people seeing this movie as very dull. As Come on, let's get on with it if you're going to make something happen with this movie. Okay. It's very dialogue driven. But another thing I like about this movie is... Woody Allen didn't direct it, but it has kind of his style to it. And I mean that from a cinematic standpoint of like uh, having characters talk off screen and actions Mm. having happen off screen, like where it's just focusing on one thing, you know, and then they'll walk through. And I thought that was a really fun and interesting way to film this movie. Okay. So I had fun with it and I really enjoyed it. But you know that it'll be divisive. Yes. Okay. There are going to be people who like this movie and people like, oh, the movie was so boring. Yeah, that tends to happen. People have their own opinions and such. Yeah. I don't think it's very metaphorical. It's not like Mother or Annihilation. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. It's not like that. It's more just a straight-up story being okay. told. So, Thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds. Well, yep. there you go. Well, we did it, man. Yeah. We podcasted. It was a good podcast. We podcasted so much. Yeah. <laughs>
Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following us at Spreaker, either in the Spreaker app or at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. And if you want to follow Sif Pop directly, just go to SifPop.com. Huge thanks to Andrew for coming and hanging out today. Oh, thanks, buddy. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at @flickfreaks. What's your Instagram full of? Pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. No, I got stuff like uh, pictures of my dog and, you know, tattoos, stuff like that. I don't, nice. know, if, I don't know if you know this, Aaron. How's your new tattoo going? It's itchy. It's really <laughs> itchy right now, but it doesn't hurt. Is that Stranger Things shirt making it itch? Yeah, a little bit. But, uh, it's a cool shirt. I, I like this. Uh, my mom got this for me for Christmas. Oh, nice. I love it. And she, it's good whenever your parents enjoy good television. You can follow me at Aaron Dicer. And uh, that's at Twitter, basically. That's, that's pretty much the only social I really interact on. I have an Instagram. I used to use it occasionally. I probably haven't posted anything there in about a year. Um, something like that. It's time to get back on that train, I man. post most of my personal stuff at Facebook because that's where, like, you know, my family and, you know, friends from high school and that kind of stuff are. Yeah. And they want more of that personal stuff. Mm-hmm. But Twitter is my pop culture social, like, you know, where I talk about movies and all the your movie friend stuff. So. I have this uh, app on my phone where whenever I post a picture to Instagram, it automatically uploads it to my Twitter as well. Yeah. So that just, it's killing two birds with one stone that way. Um, also, if you want to check out uh, the YouTube, Your Movie Friend, you can do that as well. Uh, enjoying a lot of the conversation that's happening there. Much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the Studio DNA Network possible. Support starts at 3 bucks a month. Comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash studio DNA. If you'd like to comment, if you'd like to send us a SIFT quest, if you want to connect with us in any way, please feel free. Uh, you can leave a comment at Spreaker. You can hit me up at Twitter. Or you can even email us, feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like it too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than shaving a beard with rusty scissors. Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be next up in your podcast feed, and we will see you back next week to chat at least Pacific Rim. And I really, I think we should do a double feature. And hopefully Isle of Dogs, if it's showing near us. I don't think it's opening wide next week. So Gasps. But I could be wrong. Yeah, please be wrong. I really, <clears throat> I really want to see it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.